He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Once again, for this third Sunday of Lent, the Church invites us to meditate and reflect on the reality of evil and the existence of the devil. We heard in the liturgy of the first Sunday of Lent how Christ himself was tempted by Satan, a shatan, the accuser in the desert. Today he warns us to once again against the grip the evil one has on our souls and bodies, tirelessly trying to take them away from God's grace. For our wrestling is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the world of this darkness, against the spirits of wicked the high places. St. Paul to the Ephesians. <coughs> Allow me to share with you that experience I made while working in our African missions a few years back. Some of you heard it already, but it happened on the first Sunday of Lent, which gospel is Christ's temptation in the desert, as we just said, while the community, three priests and two seminarians, was singing the office of confluence in the church before going to bed after a busy Sunday. A young lady, as it was often the case, faithful would attend this compliment or vespers. A young lady, one of our friends, close friends, while I was intoning the beautiful opening prayer of the, the office, the center of the sanctuary, the In Manus Tuas Domine, into thy hands, O Lord, I commend my spirit, that young lady suddenly started yelling and screaming on different tones of voices, begging to stop us from singing the divine office. Brethren, says that very same office, brethren, be sober and watch, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, goes about seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist you, strong in faith? Obviously, we didn't stop the office, not to give any satisfaction to the evil one, possessing this young lady. After the office, to be able to say, to tell if that case, it was a case of possession or simply a form of hysteria, which sometimes has a lot of similarities with a case of possession, we took holy water from the sacristy, clearly out of her sight, and without her knowing about it, and brought it back to her as she was begging for water, complaining that she was extremely thirsty. Once she took the glass and smelt it, and threw it back at us with fury, making all kinds of faces, and once again screaming at us, saying, it burns, it burns. We tried again several times, but each time diluting the holy water with more and more regular water, until she was finally able to take a few sips of, of this water, which was clear enough for us that we had to deal with the procession. Not, unfortunately, not uncommon in countries where superstition rituals, witchcraft, magic, or occultism are people's daily bread. So why telling you this? What lesson did I learn and can you learn from that? And that's certainly quite an extraordinary story. First, the constant hatred of the devil concerning the church, this public prayer of the church. 
the disgust he has for the sacraments. And that started already with Christ himself in the desert, and again today with the Gospel of the Day. As St. Augustine says, our hearts are restless until they rest in you. And I add, because the devil never rests until his power is destroyed by our Lord's coming. Through original sin, as we know, man brought to himself, brought himself into captivity under the power of him who thence, from the time of Adam's transgression, had the empire of death, that is to say the devil, says the Council of Trent, and was through the fear of death all his lifetime subject to servitude, Hebrews chapter 2. So this hatred from everything that comes from the church, second, the power of this official prayer of the church. The first particularity of our institute is in fact the divine office that we sing together in the church or in the chapel at least three times a day. That's why I invited you to come to Vespers, for instance, tomorrow on the Feast of St. Thomas Aquinas, the divine office. Our title, Canon, refers to the canonical life we have. The canonical life as the method or rule of living prescribed by the ancient clergy who lived in community. The course of living prescribed by the clergy and for the clergy. Maybe less rigid in some ways than the monastic life, but still with the office sung together and more restrained than the secular life. And the word itself, canon, means a rule. So you should have a sincere desire to participate to that public prayer of the church. You should have a sincere, intense, interior participation in the Mass. For instance, raising your minds and hearts to God, uniting yourselves with the priest, offering the divine victim at the altar, and offering with it yourself in union with him. And third, we can see the power of sacramental in that little story. All these objects, items, or actions, which the Church uses in the semblance of sacraments in order to obtain spiritual favors, principally, principally through the intercession of the Church. The power of holy water, for instance. The power of your rosary, of the scapula, of simply making the sign of the cross that we should never neglect. And the words of our Lord Himself are pretty strong and maybe terrifying, as we saw in today's Gospel. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters, either with or against him. No other alternative for us. We obviously cannot play on both teams, but we know which team is going to win. Our Lord promised, He said, I have told you all this, so that you may find peace in me. In the world, you will have hardship, but be courageous. I have conquered the world, St. John. Christians, says Don Gerondri, remember baptismal vow. You have renounced Satan, the accuser. Take care, then, that by a culpable ignorance, you are not dragged into apostasy. It is not a phantom that you renounced at the baptismal font. He is a real and formidable being who, as our Lord tells us, was a murderer from the beginning 
during this holy season, the church is putting within your reach those great means, means of victory. Fasting, prayer, and almsgiving. The sweets of peace will soon be yours, and once more you will become God's temple, for both soul and body will have regained their purity. But be not deceived. Be not deceived, your enemy is not slain. He is mad, he is irritated. Penance has driven him from you, but he has sworn to return. Therefore fear a relapse into mortal sin. And, and in order to nourish within you this wholesome fear, meditate upon the concluding parts of today's Gospel. Blessed are they who fear the Word of God and keep it. Our Lord is not talking of future happiness, of future blessings for those who try to follow Him. No, He says, Blessed are they in the present tense. For sure, temptations, difficulties, and pains, sufferings will always be as a dramatic consequence of original sin, the sin of Adam and Eve, and of our actual sins, our own sins. But again, the Hebrew text says, Ashrei, which means how happy, oh, the joy of those who hear the word of God and keep it. Oh, happy fault, will we sing very soon in regard to the fault of our forefathers, Adam and Eve, which has merited for us such a great Redeemer. We have received God's very own life through our baptism, and we protect and increase that life in us in the reception of the other sacraments. We want to keep it and to become cooperator of the announcing of His Word, His only begotten Son, our Lord. So to conclude, there is no better way always than simply going back to our beloved Mother and to the example she gives us. My soul does magnify the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. The welcoming of the Word of God, the suffering, the pain that Mary will receive to the passion and death of her son, and above all the joy that his presence causes to her soul, will have as a result the complete blossoming of her soul in God. So the reality of evil, the reality of the suffering, of suffering will always remain a mystery to us. But we know for sure that endured with Christ and for Him, it becomes a way of true happiness and true joy because the end of this way of the cross will be an eternal happiness in the glorious resurrection. The way may be long and tiring, but as our dear patron saint, St. Francis of Sales says, God takes pleasures to see you take your little steps, baby steps. And like a good father who holds his child by the hand, he will accommodate his steps to yours and will be content go no faster than you. So why do you worry? Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. <laughs>